Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Hour two, as I mentioned, underway. A lot of interesting things happening. Something that occurred earlier today, it appears. Well, actually yesterday, it looks like. So some climate activists, and and this just dovetails perfectly with what I said about the victim ideology. The, the cult of climate doom is driven largely on victim ideology, except it's the grandest of victims. That if you live in that ideology, if you, if you are a, in, in, in the cult of climate doom, doom, you are a victim. You're a victim of everything else that's occurred before you came. So everything, if you go to the beach and it's hot one day, well, it's, it's, the, it, it's the climate change people. So it's their fault, not climate change people, but not your fellow doom, not your fellow cult members, but everything else. It's oil, the people who drive cars, it's all. And, and that becomes a level of hate that leaves you no recourse but to attack people. You're not looking for solutions at that point. You're not looking for a way to save the planet. You're looking for a way to draw attention to yourself, hopefully in a way that doesn't get you shot or killed. But so a couple of activists that, you know, you see these people, they're, they're, a lot of times they're very entitled. They've, they've grown up in a very entitled way, and, they, and I guess they feel miserable about themselves and those around them, so they do something. So a bunch of activists went to the rotunda at the National Archives yesterday, and they poured red powder all over themselves and all over the Constitution of the country. Now, it's under protective glass, likely. But the, the weird thing about the video is you look at these and you can t- you can look at them and tell what their ideology is. It's sad to say that stereotypes exist for a reason, but they do, and these guys fit it. And the the capital, either the capital police or security, you can't tell, but they're standing on each side watching this. They didn't try to stop them. They didn't arrest them. They watched them kind of deface the constitutional display in the rotunda and let people take pictures of them. Before they did it, before the the other police arrive and actually arrest them, it's an it's a surreal scene. And I'll bet you, and some people posted that they probably will get, you know, less of a charge than the people who were at the Capitol on January sixth. I'm not I'm not going to draw the equivalencies there, but it is fa- so the the security people allow them to do this. They you it's it's on tape. It's, you're watching it. They come in. They deface the property. Uh, they keep other people away from them, and eventually somebody comes in eventually so just bizarre I, I that's the kind of stuff that the victim mentality leads you with so there's that now uh having said that you know i, I do want to get to the 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 situation with Biden, and i i don't, I don't want you hear so much about biden and hunter and all yeah it gets old because every talk show host in the world talks about it but I, I want to touch briefly on it. There were two things that happened, just to remind you. One, he attacked the special counsel, that report that came out that was very damning about Biden's gaffes and inability to recall things when he attacked her. Her not meaning a female, but her is the name of the, the special counsel that put this report in place. He attacks that individual saying, how dare he bring up my son, my dead son. 
Well, he didn't. Turns out even NBC said he didn't. Uh, and it's just an amazing story. So, Biden, I'll get you the story. This is from NBC, not exactly an, a, a non-friendly group. This is usually friendly. President Joe Biden lashed out at Robert Hur last week over one particular line in the special counsel's report of his handling of classified documents that Biden, quote, did not remember even within several years when his son Bo died. In other words, in the report, it says that the president of the United States could not remember with any degree of certainty when his son Bo had died. Now, I, that that's in the report. I didn't write it. I didn't make it up. How the hell dare he raise that, Biden told reporters in an impromptu White House, House press conference. Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. But here's the reality. That, that makes the situation with Biden even worse is that her never did ask that question, according to folks familiar with her's five-hour interview with the president over two days last October. It wasn't her. It wasn't. It wasn't the special counsel that even brought up his son's death. It was the president himself that introduced Bo Biden's death. Biden raised his son's death after being asked whether about his workflow at a Virginia rental house from 2016 to 2018 when a ghostwriter was helping him write a memoir about losing Bo to brain cancer in 2015. Investigators had a 2017 recording showing that Biden had told the ghostwriter he had found classified stuff in the home, the report says. Biden began trying to recall that period by discussing what else was happening in his life, and it was at that point in the interview that he appeared confused about when his son had died. Biden got the date, May 30th, correct, but not the year. Couldn't remember the year his son died. So Biden, instead of reacting to to that, or even he didn't even have to mention that, he attacked the special counsel, which forces a story to be written that Biden actually couldn't recall the year his son died. So every time he attacks this report, it's worse, which will remind you of the second part, which was the report gets released saying, hey, look, there's enough here to prosecute, but we don't see that a jury would would go in that direction because he's kind of a feeble old guy whose memory isn't altogether there. To which all the Democrats in lockstep unison, like they do, it's like watching Lemmings. They all jumped off the cliff at the same time and said, oh, it's just crazy. He's the sharpest guy. Now, what they don't, here's the part they don't get. I, I don't know. Excuse me. They have to understand it. You can't, and, and, and I'm not the person, I'm not the person who originated this thought. It's anyone who reads it would have come to the same conclusion. If Democrats believe that Biden is all that cognitively there, then he should stand prosecution for the classified documents because he wasn't even president. He didn't have a right to have them anyway. You could at least make the argument that a president has you know, executive privilege, but he was a vice president and a senator. He didn't have that. So if he's cognitively good, he should stand trial. If he's not cognitively good, which is what the report says, then we have to be concerned about him being in the presidency. But Democrats are getting it both ways. He's Cognitive, he's a genius, he's great, he's wonderful. And he's also, can't be tried, because the report said he can't be tried. And that's the, the optics of the reality we live in right now, isn't it? It's very, and then our governor, if you follow the governor of North Carolina's tweets, and, and his, which are basically his social, it's, it's never, it, it, it acts as if there is no president of the United States. It's as if the entire country ends at the Tennessee, Virginia, and South Carolina line. And and a lot of apologists in North Carolina media would say, well, he's the president of North he's the president. He's the governor of North Carolina. Of course, we shouldn't ask him about that. But you should. Because the southern border does impact North Carolina. It impacts our cities. It impacts a, welfare. It, it impacts Medicaid. 
It impacts so many different areas and to ignore it. And Josh Stein's doing the same thing, ignoring it. They're ignoring the presidential issue. But and, and I tell you what, in the next segment, we'll come back. I'll talk about why the polling and, and the concern that the Josh Stein campaign has heading into November. And it is problematic and it is serious. And the Democrats know that it's serious. And that is, and it's not just Josh Stein, it's Elaine Marshall. It's all of them up and down the ballot past him. My good buddy, Joe Bastardi, he of the American Storm on Twitter. Uh, he's a meteorologist, co-founder of Weather Bell Analytics. Always happy to be a guest. I just said, we'll do it some other time. But he came out today and said that, that basically the El Nino event is lining up. His prediction, and that's his. So Weather Bell Analytics predicts things for companies looking three, six months out. So it isn't like your local weather forecast. It's not a group that this is a, a high-end group. Joe is a remarkable meteorologist. He's a scientist. He is a uh, an astute observer of history. He thinks that historical patterns repeat uh, with respect to weather. So he'll look at the way things line up and what happened over the next three, six months, looking at current trends, looking at what happens. And so I, I made a long story much longer than – or I made a short story very long – but what was really impressive about it is that he is saying that it's going to be a heck of a hurricane season. Now, he writes in a way that's very difficult to interpret, <laughs> sometimes for lack of a better phrase, if you follow Joe, Big Joe Bastardi. He says, here comes the La Nina hurricane season from hell, already out from weatherbell.com. Ideal SST relationship with warm MDR, colder to north, which focuses heat and what appears to be a PDO plus similar look. Now, you see that he speaks in code. He's speaking in scientific weather code. The, the, the version of this is that he's saying it's going to be a heck of a season, kind of like it was in 1998. Looking, especially in his zone of probability, is the, the Gulf Coast all the way up to North Carolina, right there at the, where the Cape Fear River dumps in south of Wilmington. So that's his prediction. Now, you can take it for what it's worth. May mean nothing. I have found Joe to be quite an interesting guy. It's just prognostication, like anything else, political or otherwise. So in that vein, I do want to get into the situation for the, the Democrats. And that has to do, if you if you look at where we are in from a polling standpoint, again, polling, it, it's irrelevant in many ways, but it is a concern. Gnaw, gnawing in the back of Democrats' minds here in North Carolina is the, the, the they are hopeful that Trump is in prison by then. The 91 indictments, if he starts beating those things, or if it looks like the political attack that it is, if more people realize how political this is, or if Biden, and there's any number of things that can happen. But if Trump is the nominee, which it appears he will be, and if Biden is the nominee, which it appears he will be, the problem in North Carolina is that Joe Biden's upside down by five points, meaning Trump, if the election were held today, according to polling, and again, that's a lot of ifs, isn't it? So I don't like to get into that too deeply, but that five-point margin would be significant in this because Biden has a record. Uh, Trump has a record. Biden didn't before. If Trump were to win by five points, the coattails could be profound for whoever the nominee is for the GOP. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a race between Mark Robinson and Dale Falwell and uh, Bill Graham, and I'm not going to predict that. I have my own beliefs there, but nonetheless— Whoever the nominee is, it could that five point gap could overwash any any potential headwind, any potential 
victories for Democrats at the Council of State level. I mean, that at a five points, that would pro- that could even wash out Elaine Marshall. Elaine Marshall is as much a fixture in North Carolina politics as, as there is right now. Uh, Steve Troxler being the other, for whatever reason, ag, ag commissioners and the Secretary of State are probably the two most prominent, uh, easy, they can stay there forever if they want to. But it could be problematic for Elaine Marshall. The last time this happened, uh, you know, it washed in people like Mike Causey into insurance. It washed in uh, uh, Mark Johnson into superintendent of public instruction. That's when Trump won in 2016. It, it really kind of cleaned up some things for Republicans on the Council of State. The state treasurer is also Republican, Dale Falwell, who's running for governor now. But if there's a five-point gap again or five or higher, I Josh Stein would be very concerned about that. And at a certain point, Democrats are going to have to decide in North Carolina, do you want to be attached to that or not? Right now, they're still they're still pulling the line. They're still like, Biden's our guy. You know, they're not going to say anything bad about him. Uh, but at a certain point, it becomes toxic for them. And, and there's a column to that re- with that in mind from, of all places, MSNBC. And it's kind of sad. It's by Michael Cohen, who I believe is, yeah, that Michael Cohen. Um is that this is the sad reality for Democrats, because we're going to take a break in a second, so I'm not going to get to this entire column, but I want to get to the beginning of it. It says, and and this is, if you are a Democrat, and I know many Democrats listen to this show, if you are a Democrat, this is your reality right now. Barring a health, not my words, barring, this is by MSNBC, the Biden-friendly network. Barring a health emergency, Joe Biden will be the Democrat nominee in November, and as crazy as it might sound to say this, about an 81-year-old presidential incumbent with an approval rating in the high 30s, that is probably the best option for Democrats. That, That even bears repeating, does it? Let's just do the last part. As crazy as it might sound to say this, about an 81-year-old presidential incumbent with an approval rating in the 30s, that is probably the best option for Democrats, meaning Joe Biden. So in the entire nation, 350-plus million, plus a a lot of illegals. Your best bet for Democrats is Joe Biden. Now, Democrats would love to say that about Trump. The distinction is this. There's a huge distinction. Trump distinguished himself in the private sector, reshaping New York's skyline. Uh, he has led an organization with hundreds, if not thousands, of employees across multiple continents. He has created jobs. He has uh, been through bankruptcies. He's been through about everything success and failure of business can go through in, the, in this country. Biden has been in politics. Biden hasn't led a company. Biden hasn't been really responsible for that much from a staffing standpoint until this. And and what he had, what he's shown us with his staffing capabilities is a horrific assortment of misfits like Mayorkas and Jennifer Granholm and Pete Buttigieg and people that really know nothing about what they're, they're tasked with solving. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at CarolinaReadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at CarolinaReadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Now, 
we were talking about Joe Biden before the break. We'll continue. There's a the wonderful piece, Michael Cohen, not the Michael Cohen, the lawyer, but Michael Cohen from MSNBC. Just wanted to clarify that. And, and Joe Biden's 81. He'll be 82 in November, our, our first octogenarian president. Elaine Marshall, by the way, is 78 years old, just for perspective. I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying, and, and, and as we well know, it's weird that we get into these debates about someone's age rather than their cognitive decline. Because you, you know people that are 85, 90, sharp as a tack. Yeah, my grandmother lived to be about 100, sharp. Mentally, the mental acuity was surprisingly sharp with current events and events from long ago. And then you, you've had other relatives or people you know that at 65, 70 are just, you know, not really with it. It's the nature of human existence, the unfair, bizarre nature of human existence. Now, so with the Democrats, you know, we talked about the fact that that Biden, according to this is Democrats saying this, that, that he will be the nominee. You know, that, that as crazy as it might sound, an 81-year-old president incumbent with an approval rating in the 30s with this kind of economy and this kind of record, that that's the best option Democrats have. Not my writing. That's their writing. And when you look at it, so you look at what would happen. So one, Biden is extremely stubborn. That's something that's known in D.C. It's known amongst people who know people who know people. And and having been around a lot of those, Biden was stubborn when he was a senator. He was well, even when he was caught plagiarizing the 80s, he tried to deny it. I mean, he's just stubborn. That's the way he's built. So he's not likely to step aside. And Kamala Harris, who is more unpopular than Biden is, isn't going to step aside. She's also equally stubborn. Not to mention, she che- the, the, the Democrats like to check boxes. If you're, you know, you get X number of points for being uh, a certain race, a uh, certain sex, maybe even a sexual preference. KGP, KJP checks a lot of those boxes. She could never be fired in the normal course of human events. And, and Kamala Harris, the Democrats cannot afford from an optic standpoint to dump her off the ticket. She would have to agree to leave the ticket, and she's just not going to do that. So when you look around, the, the, a lot of Democrats are starting to panic. Um, Democrats should pick a new presidential candidate now, blared Damon Linker in The Atlantic. The president's party demonstrating a lack of seriousness, argued former 538.com editor Nate Silver by, quote, going through the motions to renominate an 81-year-old with a 38% approval rating, who 75% of voters think is too old without giving anyone a choice. Another quote, the question is not if Biden should step aside, read the headline of Ross Dodot's Sunday column in the New York Times. It's how Republican candidates are sounding the alarm as well. But in true, Biden does have lousy poll numbers, overwhelmingly indicate that his age is a matter of serious concern. The problem is there's no way to get rid of him unless he wants to step down. Quite clearly, he doesn't want to do that, nor do Democrat voters seem eager to do that. He went through the entire process, by the way, so far with the primaries that he's largely in control of, getting you know, 80, 90% votes. These votes, again, I'm going to say something that's not popular. I'm going to say something that's going to sound terrible, and I'm not trying to echo anything that Tucker Carlson has asserted, because this is not Russia. This is not a, a, a it's not Venezuela. It's not Cuba. Sometimes it acts that way. When you look at these numbers, when you look at the, the way Democrats are approving of Joe Biden and these massive numbers, it reminds you when Castro would get you know 98% of the vote or, or Putin would get 98% of the vote or something. You would see that and you go, do Democrats feel that strongly about Joe Biden? Apparently they do. 89% of the vote in Nevada, 96% of the vote in South Carolina. No one's going to be able to topple him from that. 
and he's not going to drop out. And it's very different. You know, people compare it to Lyndon Johnson. When he Lyndon Johnson got out in uh, March of 68, it was a very different world back then. So, uh, Dean, we'll go to Dean first. Dean, welcome to the show. How the heck are you today? Pretty good. How about you? I am fantastic, as always. Hi. I, I had a comment about uh, when we were talking about the age of the presidential candidates. Um, I, I, my issue is, is that uh, they can be old and they can be sharp as a tack, and they can have a vast amount of experience, but all of that was gained in the in the meat of their years, and they're they're not going to be able to to necessarily apply that to today. That's why we need someone that is actually immersed and living in today to sort of have a better understanding and be able to conceptually move the country. Okay. So, I mean, what what are you saying? How do you how would you apply that to the candidates that are running today? The, well, the two that are the front runners in each party. If, if you're old and you have a lot of experience and it's very good experience, um, but it's experience that you learned, uh, let's say, 40, 30, 40, 20 years ago, and you need someone that is, that's still sort of uh, more pliable and flexible that, it, that can live in today's circumstances, you know, I, I'm not saying that one's right and one's wrong, but you, you sort of have to be more in the moment than a, than an 80 year old person. Okay. You know, and I would, an Dean, I, I agree. Wrong. I agree to a certain extent, but I would also, you know, look at, so, you know, Warren Buffett, what he's in his nineties, he was still making sound finance has been for the past 20 years. I don't think anyone would argue that an 82 year old or an 85 year old Warren Buffett wasn't making decisions at the time that were current but, i but don't Warren, think that warren's building it but he's building it and he's preserving it he's preserving it he's at that point in his life where he's used that experience but we need someone with that experience that's going to build a huge amount of wealth he, you know he's, do, do you he's think george soros do you think george soros uh, at his age is making a tremendous impact for democrats across the country and in, in other countries with mm -hmm. the socialist version okay. he wants that, that, that was my only comment. I just feel that, uh, you know, you need someone that's got a, 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 a that's, you know, sort of more in the moment. Well, Dean, I think that's a valid. I think you echo the belief of many people. I think you're not alone in that. So, Dean, I didn't want you to think I was being disrespectful anyway. I think that a lot of what Dean said is absolutely uh, true for folks. I, I, I think that the perception that both of them are tool is shared across the country. So, according to the Associated Press... Trump will be in uh, court on March 25th. The hush money trial will start then. It's the first of the criminal trials, so that'll be interesting. Democrats cheering across the country. Yay, we're going to get him in court finally. Wow, what about that Hunter Biden guy? Oh, no. There's nothing there. Nothing to see there. Remember, it's, it's a, it's a one-tiered version of justice, not two. Now, when we went to the break, we were talking about what's going on with Biden and, and how the Democrats really can't afford to jettison him in any substantial way. The, the times long past where Democrats can get another candidate, provided Biden stays in a reasonable degree. If, he, if he's not, it, 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 if it doesn't become a weekend at Bernie's kind of race, you know, where they have to have a string and hold Biden's hand up and he has sunglasses on, they nod his head back and forth. He's not going to reach that point anytime soon, but it's, it's not good. I, I like even the columnists that are supporting him staying the nominee by Michael Cohen over at MSNBC and 
it says, yes, Biden is unpopular, but he's also an incumbent president. And as long as the country's not in recession, fighting an unpopular war or in the midst of a global pandemic, fighting an unpopular war, incumbents usually win re-election. He's relatively popular with Democrats, as evidenced by the lack of a serious candidate challenger. And that's because Democrats are good at playing in the sandbox with each other. Do you ever notice that? I mean, a, a good Roy Cooper, all of them here. The Democrats just they 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 kiss the ring, they bend down. It's very very much kind of this fealty. They they swear obedience to the person above them. They don't rock the boat. Democrats are good at playing ball that way. They really are. He's relatively popular with Democrats, as evidenced by lack of serious challenger. And if you look at the head-to-head polls between Trump and Biden which nine months before an election are largely useless. The race is within the margin of error, which basically means it's a coin toss. Why would you take a 50-50 race before Trump's criminal trials and before the Biden campaign ramps up and inject so much uncertainty into, uh, into it with an untested candidate? Perhaps a diverse and complex political party can quickly unite behind a consensus candidate with no skeletons in the closet, no clear liabilities and extraordinary charisma that would appeal not just to Democrats, but to independents and never Trumpers. That's not going to happen. So the short version of that long story is that it's uh, it's Biden. So there's just no way two of the most stubborn people in D.C. are going to step aside in, in Biden and Kamala Harris. Kamala is not going to step aside. She's going to cackle her way to that nomination as well. It's it's a bizarre place. And on the right, you would say that the people that don't like Trump are like, ah, oh, well, how can we get away? But Trump can rally a base. I mean, he's very good at rallying a base. Biden doesn't have to rally the base. There's the Trump people and the anti-Trump people. I don't foresee a lot of these people being pro-Biden. When I, when I hear the comments that are detached from reality, when I hear a Maxine Waters say, oh, Biden's amazing, I think it's amazing that he can stay awake for five or six hours at a time. I think it's amazing that he can go out and, and be taken seriously. I think it's amazing that anyone who supports him can be taken seriously. You can debate the Trump stuff all you want to, and the people who support him and don't support him, and that's fine. But I, that's where I see the race. I see the races, you're for Trump or you're against Trump and for anyone who would run against him. I think that you could run, I, I know, a, a, a wounded German shepherd, no, no offense to German shepherds, by the way, and that's where the anti-Trump vote would go. The, nobody... See, and look at me hesitating. This is not like me to hesitate. There is simply no reality in which one can look at the way Biden conducts himself in public, looks at the preponderance of issues related to his son, sees the way in which he is shielded, must be away from camera, can't take interviews. There is no way, no way that one cannot conclude that he's incapable of doing those things. And so what is alarming to me from Democrat standpoint is when they assert otherwise, that they think everything is fine and try to reassure you that everything is fine. It's kind of like if you go home and your house is on fire and the first floor is flooded and an earthquake opened a trench that devoured part of your home all at the same time and you arrive home and someone is standing in the street talking to you with a serious face in a very calm manner saying, everything is fine. Your home's fine. There's nothing wrong here. Nothing to see here. And that's where I think Democrats do themselves a disservice. If you want me, the voter, well, forget me because I'm, I'm, I'm a cons- libertarian conservative. 
If you want average voters to take you seriously, then take the serious issues seriously. And it's hard to take you seriously. Yes, and I put the serious word in that many, in, in one paragraph. It's hard to take you seriously on any matter that matters to all of us when you can't even admit the obvious. At least John Fetterman, for all that he's gone through, will be the first to admit Biden's not probably all there and that it is a problem moving forward. But it's not going to change. You're not, you're not going, you're not, here are the things you're not, you're not going to see Roy Cooper. Roy Cooper would be one of the last people to admit that's an issue. And North Carolina would be one of the last states to ask Cooper that in a serious tone. WRL, the, the state's largest television station, is incapable of asking that question. The Charlotte Observer News and Observer, which is the same company, they will not ask that question. They will not ask Josh Stein that question. None of the most serious media sources in North, the state of North Carolina will ask them about these serious problems facing the president. We got a briefing today. The Senate gets a briefing that the Russians are going to have nuclear weapons in space. Serious concern. Does that concern you that Biden is not altogether there when that's the threat that's posed to you and your family? And again, you're saying, oh, Chad, you're being hyperbolic. You're 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 what ifing you're 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 you're, you're creating unnecessary fear. You're, well, if you're okay with a group of of people running the country and there isn't a president in charge, there's not a guy that says the buck stops here or gal, then you have what you have. And that's what we have right now. There's no way when you if you look at Biden's tweets, one thing about Trump's tweets, when you see him, you know he wrote them. When you see Biden's tweets, the staff is disconnected from what the president says. Sometimes they directly contradict what the president says. And it's allegedly his his stuff. Allegedly. Allegedly. But but we'll see. So much more on on that topic. So when when you look at this, in the meantime, by the way, as all of this is happening, the Iranians have claimed that they own Antarctica, and they're preparing for military operations in the South Pole. And, and this is from GOTV. It's also uh, other sources have said it. Iran's Navy commander declared Antarctica is the regime's property, asserting plans for a military operation on the South Pole. Uh, Fox News reported that the announcement made on a televised broadcast last fall emphasized Iran's intention to raise its flag and conduct military and scientific activities in the region. We have property rights in the South Pole. We have a plan to raise our flag there and carry out military and scientific work, stated Iranian Navy Commander Rear Admiral Shamram Arani in last, uh, late September. Questions arose about whether the unfreezing of $6 billion in Iranian funds by the U.S. could potentially be used for establishing a base in Antarctica. However, a U.S. Department spokesperson clarified that those funds were earmarked for humanitarian goods. Yeah, and we trust the Iranians to do exactly that, don't we? Just do. They're just doing what they're allowed to do. The potential expansion of Iran's military presence into Antarctica raises questions about violations of multilateral conventions. Yona Jeremy Bob, military and intelligence analyst, emphasized the risk associated with Iran's aggressive actions, urging the U.S. and its allies to take the nuclear threat more seriously. While Iran's naval ambitions extend beyond the Middle East, with previous reports indicating plans for a military presence at the Panama Canal, the international community remains vigilant. It's, I'm telling you, it's a weird looking glass. Did, did you think we would ever beat? I'm not, this is not fun. Iran and Antarctica, and we have to talk about it seriously? Come on! Much more to go. Third hour, getting ready to be underway. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. <laughs> 